Hey, I don't know that I have uh, been a part of a more generous group of people. Just year after year, my my first Christmas here, and this is gonna this is coming up on our family's fourth Christmas here already, which is awesome. Um, when I heard the goal that we had for the Christmas giving that year, I just I kind of thought, wow, that's that's pretty audacious, you know. And then we we meet or exceed that every year, and it just is amazing to me how God works through such generous people like yourself and. Um, Scott, what a, both Scots, what a great story um, that we get to participate in. This will be, be our story as we jump in with this and some other parts of Give Joy. So just, I don't know, kudos to you. It is inspiring for me to be around such generous people. Um, uh, some of you know this, others uh, are about to. Uh, we, we lived in Alabama before we lived here. We lived in a small town called Jacksonville, Alabama, about 8,000 people there. And like most people, uh, we transitioned from Alabama, uh, from Alabama to California. It's just the real natural move that uh, everybody makes. Um, when I would take my kids to school every morning, we would go by this one particular and peculiar house. Um, and I would try to describe it to other people, what made it kind of unique. There was a large tree that had grown up right in the middle of the, it had like a a walkway staircase that went right up the middle of the front yard to the big porch. It was a nice nice little bungalow and had this big inviting porch. And so I would try to explain to people, you know, hey, there's this house and a tree grew right in the stairwell of this house. And and people would just kind of look at me funny. And so I, I eventually I took a picture of it so that they could understand it a little bit better. And so this is, this is it. And as you can tell, they've since chopped it down a little bit. So the stump is there. But uh, my, my kids and I, we just called it the stump house as we would go by. This was the stump house. And so, uh, you know, doesn't, you know, you don't have to be a, an arborist to understand that that didn't grow up overnight. Okay. The people that lived there didn't just kind of wake up one morning and walked out to fetch the paper and go, Oh my goodness, I can't get to the sidewalk because a tree is there. Um, and it had grown, I guess for several years, I never got out and counted the rings or anything, but I mean, that was a, it was a big, big tree at one point. And uh, the the sidewalk was buckled because of the roots, and obviously the trunk blocked the stairs. And I kept asking, I drive by and I go, "How does this happen?" And and I I mean I know how it happens, but how does someone let this happen? You know, did you not have a free weekend when it was just a real tiny sapling to just pull it out? What you know? Um, so, so it's just, my big question became, why did they ignore this? How, how, how do you go so long with ignoring that? Well, uh, obviously they didn't completely ignore it because they, they chopped some of it down, but as you can see, uh, the, the stump is still definitely in the way. I want to come back to the stump house in just a minute and uh, just remind us that we are in a season of the Christian calendar year known as Advent. Advent simply means coming or arrival. And it is a reminder for us that we can anticipate with great joy and excitement the coming of Jesus. Um, there were a group of people that 
that were um, praying fervently for his advent, for the coming of the Messiah. And we are people that are um, longing for the second coming of the Messiah. But in addition to that, I don't want us to forget that we are people that long for Jesus to come to us in our, in our day-to-day. You probably have something going on in your life where you are thinking, man, I, I would love for God to show up in a big way. I, I need God to be with me in this, whatever that might be. So, so we look way ahead to this Advent, to this coming, but we also have moments just every day where we want to experience him coming to us. And as I expressed last week, um, the words Advent and adventure are very closely related. And I, I got to thinking about how this is a, really a season that could be very adventurous for us and in the midst of some unknowns. Last week, we looked at how an adventure awakens us to a strength that we didn't know we had. And the key to that is holding on to the Lord who is holding on to our future. He has a strength. And when we have him, we have a strength that we didn't know that we had. This week, I want us to understand that the most tragic adventure is an adventure that remains unfinished and complete. The most tragic adventure is one that would leave you wondering, I wonder what could have been. And so I want to I tell us just uh, over the, the course of the next few minutes, what are some ways that we can enter into this adventure and enter into it with um, just a, uh, a real hope that we're going to be able to make it through this and we're going to experience all that God had for us in it. Um, we're going to jump into some of the Advent readings. There are Christians around the world that follow a certain reading plan and there are some readings specific for Advent. And so I'm going to draw from a couple of those, one of them in Malachi 3 and another in Luke chapter 3. So if you want to start looking for those, pull them up on your app. It's going to be um, here on the screen. And We'll begin with Malachi 3, uh, just again, how to start and complete the adventure that God is inviting us into. Verse 1 of Malachi 3, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years." Now, a key theme to this passage is the word prepare. It's going to be a key theme um, in the Luke passage as well. And so for us to get a clear understanding of what it means to prepare, um, we'll, we'll look a, a little closer at that. And really, preparation is vital for this adventure that we are in. Going back to verse 1, um, it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Now, if you were to look up what prepare actually means here, it's pretty straightforward. It means to get everything ready. 
But with this word, for the people of this day, they had a fuller understanding. There was a picture that came to mind because this is the same word that was used, um, and it metaphorically draws from the ancient oriental custom of sending people to level the roads and make them passable for the king. So when a group of people, a city, a town, received word that the king was coming, they would go out and they would prepare for him. They would, uh, you know, and I kind of picture the ways that they would maybe fill out washed out sections of the road or they'd clear the path of big rocks. And so by preparing, they were eliminating anything that would delay the king or would altogether stop the king from wanting to come. And also by preparing, they were showing their excitement to see the king. The king could pick up on how um, thrilled they were. And so in Malachi 3, he mentions that a messenger will be coming who will prepare the way of the Lord. So who is this messenger? And we learn in the New Testament that he is John. Now, not, this is not the John that wrote the Gospel of John or the three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This is a guy known as John the Baptizer. Uh, John the Baptist is how he's often known, which means he never danced is what that means. No, I'm just kidding. I grew, I grew up Baptist, so I can, I can make fun of me. Um, no, he is uh, John the Baptizer, and he was the, the cousin of Jesus. And we read about him in Luke 3, well, in a lot of places, but in our reading for today in Luke 3, uh, verse 1. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Now, let me just pause right there. Um, When you don't know how to pronounce words and names in the Bible, say them with confidence, and people are like, oh, oh, that's how you do it. I have no idea how to pronounce half of those words, but it was pretty confident, wasn't it? Were you kind of convinced? Yeah, okay. Just a little side note there, okay. The word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. This is John the baptizer. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, John the Baptist was a wild one. We read about him in other passages that that describe him to us. And I don't know what mental image comes to mind, but he lived in the desert, just a very kind of out there existence in the wilderness. Um, He wore, as described in scripture, he wore a camel hair coat and ate, his diet was locust and wild honey. So, um, So when he would preach, I don't know if I don't know if you've ever smelled locust breath, but you know you don't want to get too close to him. And he's I don't. He, the, we would kind of say, "Wow, that guy's out there." And even the people who knew him and encountered him were like, "Yeah, this he's out there." Okay, so this is the one who is preparing for the king. Now let's continue in Luke three, um, and he describes the making preparations for the king, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Again, there's that word prepare. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in. Every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads made straight. The rough ways smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. 
this idea of preparing the way, again, was just a real vivid picture. They understood that this involved a lot that would go into this. But I want you to see that this was not merely, John wasn't just talking about uh, kicking a few sticks off the roadway and filling in a pothole. Do you kind of get the idea? This is major excavation here. He is saying, fill in the valleys, make the mountains and the hills low. What would it take to fill in this valley? What would it take to make low or level the Santa Cruz mountains as we filled in this? I mean, we're talking pretty major stuff. Now, he's speaking um, metaphorically here and figuratively, but he's basically saying, um, don't let anything stand in the way of you and the king. Don't feel like you can go to too far of an extreme to make preparations for the king. Any effort that you put forth is going to be more than worth it. So I have a question for you, and it's also a question that bounces off of you and back to me. What are we willing to do to prepare the way for the king in our life? What are we willing to do? An adventure awaits, but we have to make ready for it. We have to prepare for it. What is it that stands between you and Jesus? And let's go back to that picture. Thank you. What is it that stands between you and Jesus sitting on the porch with you? If Jesus is the king and you're on that porch, what is it? Is there a growing issue that you've ignored? Is it something that you've sidestepped? that you denied was there. Maybe it was a root of bitterness that surfaced and pushed through. It's buckled the path. Maybe an ungodly habit has truncated your relationship with Jesus. Truncated, get it? Trunk, truncated. That was free. Uh, but here's the question. Is there something that has grown up in your life that stymies your growth and keeps Jesus out on the sidewalk? And let's think about that. Now, when I drove by that stump, um, the kids and I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, we thought it was also kind of funny that some other people that lived in the same town didn't see that it was funny. They just kind of was like, yeah. <laughs> so we thought it was really kind of odd. But the more I looked at it, it was hauntingly personal. Um, when I journal, it's not because I've figured something out and I just want to write it down so I don't forget it. Usually journaling is my way of processing. If you've heard of verbal processors, I'm kind of a verbal on paper processor. So when I sense in me that something is, is kind of irking me, maybe, um, then I'll start writing and figure out what, what's, what's the cause of this. And the more I journaled, I would look at that picture, and the more I journaled about it and reflected on it, it became clear that it was a picture of my life. And so as I journaled about this, I spoke to myself, um, asking myself questions in my journal and uh, pointing things out that I wanted Gary to see. I don't always talk to myself in third person, okay? But um, I'm going to read portions kind of edited down from that journal entry. So when I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me, um, but maybe there will be something that uh, resonates with you. The stump is that one thing, that big issue, that you came to find out was behind all the other twisted twigs and barren branches that you worked hard to cut out of your life. 
It started small, unnoticed perhaps. A seed just happened to land there, but slowly it took root. A sapling that wasn't dealt with years ago, sprouting spindly roots, and it grew and grew and grew, and now it's in the way, impeding progress, impeding the life-giving presence of Jesus with you on the porch. And maybe the question that I would like to ask the people of that house, why did you ignore it, is the question that I have to ask myself. Why did I ignore that? Why, do, why are there some things that I ignore and I let them to get to be so big that then I look at it and go, oh my goodness, how, is this, how am I ever going to work through this? You only partially dealt with the issues. Your pride was big enough to climb into the treetop to cut the highest branches. You were strong-willed enough to saw off a few limbs. Those big branches of doubt that once draped in darkened life had been removed and run through the chipper. Yet you are still left with the root issues, that stubborn stump that you couldn't pull on your own strength. A stump still impedes progress. Even worse, the stump impedes presence. You've done all you can do. So now what? Continue to ignore it? Hope that God will ignore it? That Jesus will excuse it and squeeze past it? And I got to thinking about this when... When we ask God to overlook our stumps, when we ask God to just kind of, okay, just ignore that there's this big issue, um, then we're really, God has a hard time doing that because those things are a part of us. It's not like there is this... Um, this Gary that goes to church and um, loves his family, and then this broken Gary who's got stuff in the way. No, there's, it's just Gary. And the good news is, God loves all of that. It's not like he's selective in what parts of us that he loves and what parts he doesn't. He loves all of us, stumps and all. So back to this prepare. How do we prepare to receive Jesus? Back in Luke 3, we read this. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. When we repent and seek forgiveness, we are making more passable the road for the king. To ask, and this is a really important point, to ask a mercy-giving God to ignore our stumps is asking God to avoid doing what he does best, forgive. That's one of the things that God does so well it blows my mind. And so if we have those stumps, if we have those things that are in the way, um, the good news in that is that's a way that we are going to encounter God at his best. When he sees that, when we confess to that, and he forgives it. And again, the big deal with that stump is that the stump impedes presence. This is what is standing between us and that closer relationship. So what will it take to have your stump removed? Back to a couple of journal thoughts. To be honest, 
I'm not sure I want to go through all the effort of having that stump pulled and my stairs cleared. I'd rather continue doing what I've been doing when stumps get in the way, smooth them over. Can you relate to that? Removing stumps involves digging, dealing with the roots, the beginnings, the unseen things. It's dirty and earthy and humbling. It isn't pretty, stump pulling. But when all the work is done, it clears the way for presence for Jesus to join me on the porch. All the clearing and stump pulling begins with confession. Confession is simply agreement. Will I agree to the stuff that has grown up in awkward places and prevented presence? Will I confess that a stump in the stairway is a stump in the way? As I put these thoughts on paper, I realize perhaps the greatest point of all, and it's rather ironic, for every stump that blocks our stairway, God has an answer. Another tree. Jesus came to carry my tree up a stairless hill called Calvary. My stump, with all its roots and clods of dirt still clinging to them, Jesus shouldering my tree, presence no longer impeded. Advent. This is the time where he is coming. This is the time when we remember that what we truly long for is his arrival, his presence, his power made known in every aspect of our life. The highlight of the adventure is Jesus in your life. That may sound surprising to you. That might even sound like kind of a letdown, but I want you to know that the greatest part of your adventure, your everyday, ordinary, sit-on-the-porch life is having Jesus with you on that porch, is having Jesus close by. The king, let this sink in, the king wants a relationship with you. The king. He wants that nearness with you. The adventure, until you have that abiding relationship with him, the adventure remains incomplete. The adventure is cut short. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and I want to give us, um, as, uh, as they make their way up here, I want to give us just a, a minute or two uh, to reflect and to be still. Uh, for the last several months, I've been praying the Lord's Prayer like about three times a day. And depending on your church upbringing and uh, your faith history, uh, the thought of praying the same prayer over and over may not really be something that you want to think about. But for me, um, I need that repetition. I need that reminder of some things. And there's a lot of reasons why I've been praying the Lord's Prayer several times a day. But especially for these phrases forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil in other words God forgive me for these stumps that keep sprouting up in my life and by daily seeking forgiveness we prepare for the king's presence so one question I have for you is, would you consider praying the Lord's Prayer this week, every day?
maybe several times a day. If you're not um, familiar with it, Google it. You won't have any trouble finding it, okay? Um, Jesus is the one that taught us to pray in this way in Matthew chapter 6. But just let those words wash over you daily. And picture Jesus sitting on the porch with you as he responds and as he does what he does best forgive so what is God saying to you this this morning I've got three points that are going to come up here and it's just kind of a summary of what I've been talking about these last few minutes and I want to give you about a minute of silent reflection and maybe these questions can kind of help one of these questions in particular might jump out at you or points and you can use that as a time of silent reflection first of all the king wants to join you on the porch and maybe you just need to spend the next few moments reveling in the beauty of that that the king of kings wants to hang out with you it blows me away it blows me away that he wants to hang out with us number two we prepare the way for the king by confessing just owning up to some stuff so what stumps in your life keep the king at a distance number three will you let Jesus pull your stump up Calvary's hill have you ever invited Jesus to forgive you of everything and just say I want you to be Lord and King of my life take about a minute and after a minute or so I'll, uh, I'll say a little prayer All right Jesus, may we never cease to be amazed by your advent, your coming to this earth, and not just to come to this earth to do your job and be done with it, but to come to this earth so that you could live closely with us, so that we would not have to go through the adventure of life by ourselves. And for this, we say thank you for your advent. Amen.